All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Business Development Confidential, a podcast for growth presented by the Business Development Guild. First of all, let me share a very happy new year to everybody. I hope everybody had a wonderful new year holiday, and here's to a prosperous new year ahead. My name is Joe McGovern. I am a principal with the McGovern Group. We're an environmental consulting firm, and we provide, among other things, environmental and building due diligence services across the United States. Um, and although I'm a business owner now, 10 years next month, by the way, guys. Yay. We, we have a couple Yay. guys in the way. Thank you. Um, I consider business development really part of my professional DNA. So hence where we sit, right? The, uh, the podcast here has basically three straightforward objectives. The first is to basically advance the profession and professionals, help build alignment between the BD and internal operational teams, and third, to achieve consistent and profitable growth for organizations. And that is all through fun, lively, no holds barred conversation. Is that right for the guys who are in the studio? Works for me. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into it, it's a great topic uh, that we have and wonderful guests that we've already heard from a little bit. Um, But before we do that, we want to send a thank you, a couple thank yous. And that is the first and foremost is to our production sponsor, and that is Small Giants, a marketing and business development agency based here in Phoenix, Arizona. They have offices in Denver, and I know they work with companies across the United States. So let me shift it over to their creative director, uh, Brennan Gurley, who is, again, these guys are not just uh, production sponsors. They're friends. They're advisors. They're cheer- they help us cheer us on. They calm all of our nerves. So anyway, Patrick Coleman as well. But with Brennan, take it away. Thanks, Joe. Um, so my name is Brennan. I'm the director of creative and technology over at Small Giants. Happy to be a part of this podcast. I think what Joe's doing, I think you're doing a great, great, amazing thing here, um, getting the word out and business development and all that. You know, at Small Giants, we live in the commercial real estate industry along with architecture, engineering, construction, and everything that kind of surrounds that. Being full service, we have the unique ability to strategically look at where companies are, where they want to be and provide that support to really get them to achieve their goals. Um, Whether it's helping with a little social media to full-blown marketing strategies, business development strategies, annual strategic planning, websites, videos, photos, you name it, we can do it. So, um, you know, again, Joe, happy to be here supporting the podcast, getting it all taken care of for you. And um, yeah, enjoy the show. Okay. Okay. Let's get to the topic. And if this, guys, this is me preaching from the uh, mountaintops here. If this topic is not near and dear, and I'm talking to the business development, my business development brethren, right? That is not near and dear to your hearts, then I am not sure what topic could not be near and dear to your hearts. And that is the value of business development in a down economy. It could also be considered value of business development in an anticipated down economy, right? I mean, we've all been around here for a few decades now, and I think we've all heard the word overhead that's, that is attributed to our position. And when resources get tight, either through eco- economic downturn, or actual business decisions that make resources a little bit tight, we have our target on the back. And we've all either experienced it or known people who have experienced being cut because we are in overhead positions. So with that, I think it's about time we bring this topic to light, to the surface. 
and for you know public consumption. And I think we can provide some good value here. So with that, I want to bring on my guests, which I'm very excited about. Friends first, colleagues second, guests third, but here we go. And I will let each of them share their rather interesting stories for each, but um, rather than me do it, I'll let each of you do it. So uh, Rick Stoddard is with us here in studio. So uh, Rick, take it away. Thank you, Joe. You know, uh, you, you, you said something interesting. If you're not here to listen, and this isn't something that's near and dear to your heart, then uh, I shouldn't be here either. And the fact is, this is near and dear. And it's something that I think uh, uh, we all wrestle with, what it means and the way to communicate it. And so my, 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 uh, my career, my path, uh, I'm actually an accountant by degree. But my first job right out of college is with a company called Xerox. So I am a professionally trained salesperson. I've also uh, been involved in entrepreneurial activities. I've worked with software companies. I've worked in technology. But over, over the years, I've learned the value of business development and the difference it's made in uh, actually securing s some big deals, uh, to continue to nurture relationships over the year, and most importantly, build trust. So th that has a lot to do with the value of, of uh, I believe, of business development and uh, the difference it could make in, in all of our careers. Well, I tell you what, Xerox was the standard bear for professional training on the sales side, right? Um, and might be still is. I'm not sure where they are right now, but I did not realize that. And with the accounting background, it's a very interesting background and eclectic. I tell you what, though, I have to I have to give the proper credit to both of you guys for bringing this topic to the fore. I mean, when we were taught, we've had a number of conversations about a number of things. You said, hey, you know what? This would be a really good topic. And the fact that we didn't think about it before is a little bit embarrassing. But anyway, anyway, Rick, thank you for that. And welcome. You're welcome. welcome You're welcome. All right. Now we'll turn it over to Mikey Maynard. And Mikey, take it away. Joe, thanks for the uh, opportunity to join Small Giants. Thanks for state-of-the-art studio that I your clients it. enjoy. Awesome. So it's excellent that you could lend us that. I am the Chief Business Development Officer for Board Developer. Oblique company name, we develop boards. Yes, I can't make it any harder than that. And I told somebody the other day that I was the CBDO, and they thought for sure that meant I was in the <laughs> cannabis business, <laughs> which I assure you I am not. Um, but I come today to join really from all three prongs, Joe, that you yeah. shared with us. So first of all, I'm a day-to-day -day practitioner, mm -hmm. earn my living and feed my family by going and finding clients for board developer and for some of board developers' clientele as well. Um, secondly, I'm an advisor to the C-suite. I often helped executive teams, investment groups, and others figure out what exactly is business mm -hmm. development and where does it fit in the organization. And third, I'm just a champion of business, and I love the capitalist economy, and I like to see prosperity come to all, and I believe BD pays you know, a really important role in that. So to the extent I could help him pitch in, I'm delighted to be here oh, today. That's fantastic. Welcome, both of you guys. We really appreciate you being here. So you mentioned the three-pronged approach. So the three prongs is right. So collectively, I'm not even going to say how many years together added up of, of years of wisdom that we've all collected, right? Well, cheers of but something. Cheer, <laughs> we got to cheer something. But it's a, let me just say it's a fair amount, right? So um, 
we're going to talk about more of kind of a macro macro on macro view and offering perspectives on the topic, right? And then we're going to go speak directly to the C-suite. The C-suite can be obviously the the chief A, B, and C, but also the um, operational teams all the way down to the project management side, right? Um, and then we're going to speak directly to the business development professional and professionals about our role and what shoulders that we all have, um, what responsibilities we have to advocate the value, right? And then um, and then go from there, right? So why don't we start with that? So let's talk about, again, a, a few, I'll just speak to myself now, more than two decades of experience. I'm assuming that, anyway, around the table, I won't get into it. But from that, Rick, let's just start with you then. Um, you know, we've talked about this for a little bit now. So when it comes to your experience and the conversations that you've had, tell us what, tell us what, what, what comes to mind, right? What tell, you, you touched on it a little bit on your introduction and stuff, but what, how about through your experiences and your colleagues' experiences and others, um, what's the general message, right, that we, we want to start with? And then we'll kind of get into some more granular detail. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to make a, make a comment, collective knowledge, wisdom. Uh, I think you were trying to say we're all gray hairs, and in my case, I'm a no hair. So. <laughs> but the, uh, when, we, when we speak to um, you know, business development and the overarching value, whether it's good economy, whether it's bad economy, it's absolutely an essential, uh, I believe, uh, with the, for an organization. And, and, and the thing is, it's, again, it goes back to trust, mm -hmm. and you're nev that never ends as far as the uh, capability, the continuing uh, building of trust with uh, your network, with the, uh, the CEOs you may be dealing with, with your uh, peers. Uh, so it's an ongoing, so it doesn't matter what the economy's doing. And it pays dividends long-term. And we can actually, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit, it can right. actually, we can show where it's paying dividends. It's actually you're getting a return on an investment, which is obviously very important when you start talking about C-suite. No, I agree. But And at, to, in addition to that, we've, the dynamic of looking at the position when there is concern about the business, about the upcoming business revenue, um, the, the position still is at risk, right? And it still is at risk. And have you had or have you had other folks? I've tried to explain to any number, and maybe it's just it's not in the right context or I really didn't get as much focus time, to any number of folks who have the decision to make personnel decisions, right? It's still there, and it has been from the beginning of, God, I don't know what the BD industry is, maybe 30, 35 years ago, what have you. Um, we do get pushback from the, from the message. And I'm just kind of wondering if you've had any kind of interactions or conversations or anything that um, along those lines. Well, I, I have, but yeah. I, like, I can tell you, I think it's, I think if it's, it's our responsibility to learn how to communicate the value proposition, right? And yeah. how that equates to making a difference in the bottom line and in, in bad times, why, why it doesn't make sense to actually say, well, that's, that's, a, that's a role that we're gonna cut from the, the organization. And it really, it really even, uh, I guess, my attention to that and understanding of that, even though I'm a pr practitioner of it, mm -hmm. but how to communicate it. Actually, my friend Mikey Maynard mm -hmm. uh, it is very skilled at doing that, and I've learned a lot from him in the process. And, and, and it, it is our responsibility 
to be ambassadors, if you would, of the, the, the business development uh, brethren and sisters. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, uh, one thing, and this is a common, either a theme or a statement throughout, this is our fifth broadcast now, so, and we're not stopping. But part of the, I think part, part of the responsibility on the BD side is for the business development, the more they understand the business and they understand the risk of the business and the more they can communicate that with their operational team, either horizontally or up the chain, that inherently gives them more either respect or attention or understanding that, wow, this, this, this person or these persons really understand our business. We can't afford to leave them to leave them because they're the only ones out on the street, so to speak, with this kind of knowledge, bringing that to the street. So yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's, that's my, great point. my yeah. business acumen is kind of like a common, it's kind of like, I want to shake everybody by the shoulders, right? So anyway, but no, thank you, Rick. Mikey, how about, how about you? I know that when we've talked, you've had some interesting um, conversations, not only through your own experiences, but through other trusted uh, perspectives as well on this. Well, as of the posting of this podcast, we're in, early Q1 2024. I look at all the pundits that I'm currently okay. following. Seems to be a high degree of agreement that we're in in 2024 for a down economy. Now there's going to be some bright spots. Residential construction in the Sun Belt, industrial construction in the Sun Belt, probably artificial intelligence. Those are going to remain strong, possibly others as well. But that means if you're not in those sectors, Panic is going to set in. And in the executive boardroom, what's inevitably going to happen is, oh my God, what are our profit centers and what are our cost centers? And one of the first fatal mistakes that C-suite teams and investors make when they're envisioning a business development initiative or business development person or business development partnership is... Well, let's get that business development going and make some money really fast. And because business development, I often say to people, is a three-month to three-year into the future play, it would be inappropriate to bring it in in a knee-jerk reaction, thinking it's going to somehow turn around the top line in a down economy. Will it have that effect? Yeah, Rick Stoddard said it will. But it's a future play. It's a mm -hmm. long percolation. So in the panic in the boardroom, what's now going to happen is marketing budgets are going to get slashed. Biz dev will be for sure on the chopping block because it's viewed as a loss center, not a profit center. I think an erroneous view, but that's right. okay. In the short term, I see that mm -hmm. cost center. Um, training will get cut. Certain outside uh, supply chain and consultant contracts will get pulled. As businesses think, we got to hunker down and get those fixed expenses reduced. That's yeah, a very good point. And you know what? It, it's good that you brought that out because this isn't just a poor us, right? It's just this should not be considered just a poor me when I say me, the business development side. I mean, we are part of that cog. And then we're not the only ones. And so educating the C-suite in terms of where certain – what certain – costs or where they, what category they should fall under, I think is, is, is crucial. I was talking to a CEO this week, bemoaning the fact that their, their sales don't look so good going into Q1 of 2024. In fact, they were down about 20% year over year in 23. So not a good place to be if you're that CEO, right? And what that individual shared was, 
gosh, if we just could get some of these big opportunities that are in our, our pipeline closed and across the finish line, it'd really make up for the shortfall last year and it'd give me a lot bigger start to 2024. And I said, great, as a business development practitioner, let me tell you, these are the calls and visits you should have been making three years ago. Your phone would be ringing off the hook right now. The incoming order volume and purchases from your clientele would be streaming in because business development has this latency cycle. And he said, well, well, what could we do right now? I said, well, that's a longer conversation mm -hmm. because we should have thought about the investment up front. It's almost a capital investment. You know, if you buy a piece of machinery, you don't expect that that machine starts producing EBITDA second shift. It's going to have to crank a lot of parts for a lot of time before finally we recover that purchase, that installation, that preventive maintenance. And now each successive piece has a net contribution to profitability, right? Business development will be on the chopping block in 2024 because too many of us who practitioner BD weren't the good educators of what the actual production cycle for business development initiatives is and can and should be. And so suddenly the investors open the books and go, oh crap, I don't like Q1, what can we cut? And it's like an immediate, <clears throat> excuse me. It's an immediate, it's, an, it's kind of an immediate knee jerk reaction rather than seeing what the opportunity is if we, okay, we are where we are, right? So now we do think, we do know that it's a three year to three month horizon in terms of either keeping going our business development um, investment uh, uh, activity or ramping it up. And what is that opportunity? So how can that be? We talked a little bit, and Rick, you brought up the fact that it can be quantified. A lot of a lot of folks who are listening to this aren't necessarily large companies, don't necessarily have CFOs, but they have, but they have, you know, they have the management teams, the executive teams. So they respond to paper, right? They respond to numbers and they respond to something like this. So how would that what would that look like? Well, there's a lot there's a lot of different ways that you can yeah. you could begin to uh, you know track track the, the results of that. But the but the one th the one thing that you really gotta be uh, sensitive to. What's the mentality of the t of the, the company, the management? Because if they're looking for short-term metrics, then it's it, it certainly that's, it, that's the that's the, the the it's it's the doom. Of, you know, you're you're doomed as far as a business development person for sure. And and is and under and and it also tells you there's really not a commitment to that initiative. Right. So that's 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 one thing. And then and then then. Then you have to put in uh, in place the kinds of metrics that you measure over time, what that activity is actually bringing to the company. Now it begins with okay, what's what's new uh, contacts, uh, like at a seed level that you're actually interfacing with and having stimulating conversations, and and the and it's not just one offs. Right. So th so there's a lot of different ways, and you can be a little bit creative with it. But there are there are ways that th that you can begin to start capturing some of that data, and th that it makes sense. And quanti well, that means quantifying what an or what a relationship would bring, right? And what that relationship would bring down the road with the proper activity, right? And if that is cut off, well, then you can take a look at it's like, well, this it, it would reasonable. We can reasonably expect that this relationship and or opportunities that this relationship would bring, would bring ABC opportunities. And this is the value of those opportunities. And if we don't bring those, 
well, then we're going to miss out. And that's the cost that we really um, are choosing to take, right? By cutting off the short-term, smaller investment on the front end, right? Mm -hmm. Mikey, would you, did that, does that capture it, right? Or? Well, I think the grand overwhelming fatal blow to business development initiatives in organizations, and I hope through this podcast series we can prevent this for our listeners, is confusing business development with marketing or sales. It is neither. How you confuse it with marketing is you say, well, the business development team should be generating really high quality leads. Actually, the generation of leads is a marketing function. And so if that's the only way you're going to measure business development by leads brought in, it will fail. Okay, no, we're not going to do that. What we'll do, because the economy's down and we need operating cash, is we will structure the business development function to bring in sales, to bring in revenue. No, that's actually a sales function. And sales teams the world over vary in how good they are at it, but they sure know that's their function. So if we compensate or reward or recognize our business development team on revenue, the business development function will fail. What we have to do instead is understand that business development is different. And so I advocate three hard metrics. I say KPIs a lot, key Performance, performance indicator. So sorry for the jargon. No, I love the fact that the business development is 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 identifying what the KPI should be yeah. rather than vice versa. But that's yeah. just you know <laughs> that's just me. So in our efforts at board developer, the metrics we use every hour of every day, I'm personally measured on these metrics, are first desirability of the prospective client where marketing and sales are chartered to close every possible lead that's closable without discrimination, without making any particular judgment about them. It's just close it, close it, close it, close it. Business development is different. Rick Stoddard alluded to it a moment ago. Business development brings in your platinum, your premier, your highest value of life cycle clients. Any listener of this podcast right now could name a few logos that their company is proud they serve. This is a customer of ours, and it's a big household mm. name, right? That's who business development should be targeting, not just anybody. Marketing and sales will target anybody. If we think we can convert this lead, and it'll go in our pipeline, and it'll close this month, and we can get paid on it, we're going after it. That's marketing and sales. Business development only goes after the most desirable prospective clients. So with that KPI, when I sit with the chief financial officer of a company that might be considering either starting or stopping a biz dev initiative, I say, let's look at what the typical lifetime value of one of these premier clients would be in your world. And if biz dev could go snag one, three, five of those in the next three years, Let's look at that lifetime value against what the fixed and variable expense of the business development department or function is. That tells you if the thing has a return on investment or not. I would say also, it doesn't matter if it's a down economy. The desirability of the clients or the desirability the of the same. clients. I mean, what the variable remains the same. Is, remains the same. Yes. 
So, you know, it, it goes to strategy. It goes to, you know, it goes to strategic planning and all that. I mean, they don't become less res- less desirable over time. That's right. Because there's a dip coming out around the corner. And when I'm working on a justification for business development with a chief financial officer, I've never yet had it happen. I've only been doing this 23 years. I've never yet it have happened that the chief financial officer says, yeah, we don't want any more of those premier clients. We just want junky, low-profit ones, so we don't need business development. So first KPI is the desirability of the client. Could I add one more thing? The desirability of the client, Go again, let's talk about the strategic, the strategic planning of that. That means that the company agreed, right, as an organization that these are the desire, these are the platinum clients, right? So it's not just saying, hey, I want to go after a big logo now, and now's the time to go after because it's a down economy. In theory, that's already part of the strategic planning. It's like, hey, listen, our platinum clients are one through 10, right? We've already agreed to this. So it's not necessarily also bringing anything new or ne- it shouldn't necessarily be bringing something new. Yep. Second so, KPI yeah. that I advocate, and in fact, I measured on it myself, is transparency. Rick Stoddard a moment ago created a word picture of meeting with the C-suite and expressing to your own C-suite, hey, I'm chasing the executives at ABC Corporation, a potential platinum client. Well, in marketing and sales, I find there's no transparency of that to the C-suite. They're like, I know sales is working on something. I saw in the pipeline, we still haven't closed ABC company. I'm not really sure what we're doing over there. Some companies, Rick, do quarterly business reviews or QBRs where the sales team get to stand up and and under scathing review, justify or not, how come deal X hasn't moved forward? That's not transparent. If that has to wait for a QBR once a quarter, there's no transparency there. So I don't know what you gentlemen find, but in the prospective platinum clientele I'm engaging in my business development work, Our CEO has already met those people. Our CFO has already met their CFO. I've had dinners or drinks or lunches or Zoom calls to put all the parties in a very open and transparent way in front of each other because here's the problem that makes confusing business development with either marketing or sales fatal is we assume that the practitioner goes off and brings home a deal and it drops into the pipeline and we chase it to the you know appropriate extent and we then close it. Business development is working way out ahead of when that client even knows they need our product or service. It's creating trust and credibility in advance of the prospect ever even knowing they would want to do business with us. So it fails if we hold Rick's feet to the fire. Have you closed the XYZ deal? The executives XYZ don't even know what we do, how we do it, why that would be relevant to them until they begin meeting our team, their peers in our team, which makes transparency and BD really important. And you, and you, hit, the, and you hit the word on the head, I think, team, right? I mean, the internal team, the business development is a total team effort. Um, and if it's and if one person's kind of placed on an island to bear more than what you know that that an individual should within a team context, then that's also not going to work. And the know. team I find is most successful 
when the business development function and its practitioner or practitioners report directly to the C-suite. You'd think, no, they should report to the sales manager or no, they should report to the head of marketing. Well, I've already said this isn't a sales or marketing play. I need the transparency right to my own company ownership and company officers because I'm going to be exposing them to the same peer group out in the prospect community in a very transparent way. And that's very different than how marketing and sales are practiced. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're also pointing to something that BD is not transactional, right? Right. And that's, 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 a, that's where I think a lot of executives get, they get confused. And, they don't and once you begin to, to, to share with them the value in the process, and, and hopefully it begins to sink in, mm-hmm. that, okay, got it. Now I see the value of where this sits within our organization and how it interfaces or enhances the sales and marketing efforts. Which is the third KPI I advocate, closability, because at some point, the only way we can pay for biz dev is if revenue happens. Something actually has to, at some point, Rick, become a transaction. Yep. So because I've typically, or our clients have typically been working for some quite long period of time, three months to three years, with the key decision makers in that prospective client, they are a more desirable potential client. We've already done that KPI. I've kept the process, or the client has kept the process with BizDev very transparent, so everybody knows everybody doesn't even in some cases need the biz dev person to be involved because there's direct communication between the officers of both companies. Now what we have to have is conversations with the prospective officers of that premier client company that we have a value to deliver that begins to come to them when they sign on as a client of our firm. And it has to be closable. When we look at classic marketing qualified leads, MQLs, that get captured in campaigns and events and websites and social media, one thing or another, and those are lobbed over the wall to sales to become sales qualified leads, SQLs. So MQL to SQL to opportunity to do business is the classic marketing and uh, sales piece of that. We actually usually don't know how closable those are because we don't have much of a deep relationship with the prospect. Hey, I saw that you downloaded our white paper. Hey, (laughs) you visited the show and left your card, and I just wanted to reach out. You're in my territory, and I'm a sales executive, and I thought maybe I'd come visit you. See, we really don't know the realities, the politics. In, In some B2B SaaS worlds called the MedPIC methodology, all the facts and figures you need to know about how they make decisions and who's the champion and who's your competition. By and large, we don't know that in marketing and sales. And so when we show up for the QBR to be, to have the searchlight pointed at our face, how come the ABC deal hasn't closed? Often we don't know. That is not the case with business development properly practitioned. Business development knows from day one how closable this is. And there's huge amount of transparency. And it's always with a premier customer set, a more desirable customer, where more intimacy is needed. And I don't see how marketing as its practitioner today, sales as its practitioner today, creates any intimacy at all. And I'm not being critical. I do marketing and sales every day. I'm as guilty of it as anybody. 
and it goes to the relationship, right? I remember I went to some kind of training years ago, and he was talking about, and again, this is from the professional services side, where the continuum of a relationship, just think of the x-axis, you know, it's just the, the beginning to the left, and then the continuum, the relationship to the right. And then the sales side, the crescendo is the close, right? Well, in professional services, the close is on the on the very beginning of that continuum, or at least on the left, right? And it's because it's closable. It's closable, but it's mm -hmm. not the crescendo. It doesn't it doesn't spike the graph. It's just the it's that's the very first part of the actual relationship becoming the business relationship because the revenue is changing and services are being delivered and all that kind of thing. So I that was always a good visual for me. You know that the that the relationship continuum it was on it, the, it's not a crescendo a close of that either first project or projects whatever isn't necessarily the crescendo of of the relationship so there you go that's a good segue because we're talking about KPIs right um, but first of all let's just kind of let's just kind of summarize that first that first um, discussion to the C-suite we're telling the C-suite it's not prudent and it's not profitable to cut back on the business development because you think that it's a big, you're going to save money, right? Actually, the reverse is true. You're going to be losing opportunities for that long-term value that those platinum organizations kind of bring to an organization. So again, we're going to, we're going to be talking to ourselves too, but to that, to that C-suite, it's like, Hey, listen, people, um, this not just because we're saying so, right? Um, but the segue, I love the word segue, so let's use it again. KPIs, right? They are ruling the roost for many, and there are a lot of financial owners, when I say financial owners, owned by financial, either private equity firms or financial owners that have a portfolio of companies. And that metrics, metrics rule, metrics are king, right? And in a down economy, it's going to, and then oftentimes those metrics are viewed by people who are two or three levels above or not even on the ground. So they don't, they don't, they might even be in other geographic regions, right? They're looking at the CRM, what the CRM spits out. And it's like, okay, well, the activity is not, these people aren't necessarily meeting their KPIs. Well, in a down economy, it's going to be tougher to meet the KPIs. So that, it kind of blends into what the BD pros have to kind of share and communicate to their management staff. Um, but how do I mean what how do how do we kind of get over that initial hump of hey listen it may not be a huge down economy right now but it's beginning to kind of go down the KPI are being harder to meet and these are the reasons but sometimes it's hard to explain those reasons right especially when you're two three levels up the people are reviewing it and are are making comments and have authority over you so yeah. What to do, guys? Well, I think I think one of the conversations is: Do you want to be an also ran, run as far as you know the uh, uh, your competitors, or do you actually want to lead the pack? If you want to lead the pack in a down economy, you don't take your foot off the off the the gas pedal. And B, BD is that front for you to be continuous to be out there and make progress, and actually then. Uh, 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 go beyond where a lot of your competitors are because the majority of those companies will make those cutbacks. And so they're not going to see over time the types of, of opportunity to come to fruition yeah. as, as you might. And you know, and we talk, we were talking earlier that in a down economy, because this happens, there, there are fewer people on the street Absolutely. Out, outreach. And so there's a grand opportunity. I, I just, last year, there was a sector that was down and there was a client that we haven't worked for for a long time. I just called and said hello to him. I just said, hey, how you, how, how you doing? How you know, how you doing? 
I just want to let you know, you know, Abe, you know, how a conversation like that goes. I, the, the glowing email that I got in response was, thank you so much for checking in, and I'm so great to hear about the updates, and this is where we are. I mean, it was just a simple little thing. Um, but I knew that they didn't have any business probably for the next six to 12 months. And I'm not just talking, I hear this from any number of, of, of top flight BD people, but there are fewer competition competing for those platinum folks' time, or you know, and it's an opportunity to get attention. Well, we, we just had a, a, uh, an event called a pandemic. And that's, a, that's yeah. another great example. How many, how many people actually went into hiding and they, they stopped communicating versus, and, and I can tell you, I was very intentional about continuing to reach out and checking on people, making sure they're okay, continuing dialogue. And over time, it actually resulted in some opportunities that were, were closable. So, so that's a great example of, because and, and, the, the whole society was somewhat shut down. I would also add, too, that once opportunities come back and once the competition does come back, it's less price sensitive because you've built goodwill, right? I mean, it's an opportunity to build goodwill and all that. Um, but at the same time, you know, the KPIs aren't being met. And in, in the way that the short-term KPIs are structured and set up for, so um, I know we talked a lot about that feeds into this, Mikey, but... Um, I mean, you're in the C-suite. You have a lot of you have a lot of folks that you talk about the, at the high level like that. How are they responding to, or how would they respond? Would you say to the short-term challenge of meeting KPIs just because the business activity is in the marketplace is down? How I would answer how I see them responding is by giving you a word picture. You're on a really long old-school road trip, mile after mile of the the white lines, right? And you kind of maybe go inattentive, maybe even start to doze off, and your right front wheel goes down off the right edge of the pavement. The worst thing you can do when that happens is what? Overcorrect. Mm -hmm. yep. So I was just on a phone call minutes before we started at Small Giant Studio today. <laughs> Real call with a world-class sales producer, individual contributor, of magnificent proportions. Her name's Melissa. Hi, Melissa. And Melissa says to me, you know, I think I might need to make a move. I said, you just landed at that company like less than a year ago and you ended up top sales rep. No surprise, that's Melissa. Blew her number away completely. She says, well, from the C-suite down now, all it is I'm being directed is do more cold calls, do more cold calls, do more cold calls, do more cold calls. She says, cold calls have such a low success rate for me and my colleagues. She said on a great week, it might be I get an appointment with 5% of them. I said, actually, I've done the empirics on this. It's less than 1%, mm, but wow. okay. She says, and now we just had an emergency meeting today, and the directive has come down. We're going to double your doubled requirement for daily outbound cold calls. That's, guys, an over-correction. Mm -hmm. And where that's going to cost the company money because the CEO reports to the board, the board are the private equity, venture mm -hmm. capital, SPAC, or Wall Street individuals. They're like, we need more money this afternoon. 
We'll run more marketing campaigns and get more MQLs and get a build out the SDR, sales development rep team, and have them call and qualify all those. And then let's set a bunch of appointments. And then the account executives can go meet with all those people at a very high frequency. And out of that, maybe some sales opportunity will percolate out. They do not go after a more desirable client. That's one of our KPIs in business development. There's no transparency to this whole process. So the investor barking about the revenue doesn't even know what we are or aren't doing. Okay. And finally, these aren't closable in the first place. That's the overcorrection I'm seeing right now in, in corporate executive offices. Well, we just need to pour more SDRs on this. So let's fire the biz dev team because, you know, they don't really sell anything anyway. It takes them forever. Mm -hmm. And let's just pile a bunch of more now, 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 hurry, 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 cold call, cold call, cold call, which is why everybody in this room, including Patrick, <laughs> on our phones right now have intrusive, unwanted, invasive messages from strangers we don't know saying, hey, Patrick, I see you're with small giants. Do you need janitorial services in your building? Click here to set an appointment with me on my Calendly link. Patrick's going, I don't buy janitorial anything. This is where we've gone wrong in our overcorrection with marketing and sales. We think we layer more cold call, unwanted, invasive, intrusive noise into the channel. And even the smart investors, the brainiacs behind all this, who've put millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars into these companies, kind of on an intellectual level, no, that doesn't work because their phones are blowing up. They're like, yeah, but maybe something could shake out of it and would save us for this afternoon. You know, and I think a lot of it goes to the fundamental belief that activity will lead to results. So they focus on the front end of the activity and that will lead to results by the next step and the next step and the next step. But if the activity is random, I agree with you. Not yeah. underpinned with any yeah. strategy, no empirics behind it, then all it is is the same noise with a less than 1% closing rate. And you can layer as many more SDRs and marketing mm -hmm. campaigns on that as you want. It doesn't have closability in the first place. It is a fool's errand. I left one word out, and that was strategic activity. Right. Strategic activity is different, but yep. when it comes to increasing the activity, that will give more opportunities. So, anyway, okay, we were talking about the KPIs in a down market from um, the financial financial ownership. When I say financial ownership, it's it doesn't have to be necessarily financial. It can be HQs, headquarters that are in different regions, right? People who are removed from the ground, removed from the local dynamics of the marketplace, right? Particularly. I mean, at least if you're in the if you're in the if people grew up in the business that it's an HQ like in Minneapolis where I'm from, they get the business right. But on the financial side, financial players are not necessarily in the business. They it's a portfolio company; they own it, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily what they grew up in. So there's a little bit more of a communication education that um, might be required to to give context to what's happening with the KPIs. But then again, Mikey, you and I were just talking about how the it's not one size fits all for the KPIs from the business development, marketing, and sales. And that's where I think we go wrong. Yeah. And then the business development practitioner gets quote unquote blamed. Like I can hear a conversation with a CFO going, I just got 
an expense report, there's a bar tab on here for $1,500. Like who the hell is she taking out for $1,500 and I don't see an order coming in? It's the wrong view of business development. About marketing or sales, that would be a totally appropriate concern on the part of the finance business partner. But in business development, we're not just looking for any order at any dollar value to come in and be traced back to that bar tab. We're looking for over the course of time, you the investor pick what time period it needs to be. We can tune for that as biz dev practitioners. How many platinum level clients do you want us to, to do you want to find us trustworthy and credible enough? that when we can show them they need our service, they'll sign up with us and they won't even go out to bid. That's a way you would measure business development. And so when I speak, as I do every day, with board members of corporations who are thumping the table about how come I'm not seeing the number, you should have been doing biz dev three months to three years ago, and today you'd have those orders. But we, this is not a switch we turn on late in the year, late in the quarter to bring a few deals across the line. That's a marketing and sales function. And their KPI should be about closing ratio, dollar amount, profit margin. Those are the KPIs we put on marketing and sales. ROI on marketing. We invested this much in marketing. How much revenue? What profit did we get out? I get all that. Those aren't relevant for business development. It's the accretion rate of amazing new clientele to cheapen it, logos. I kind of don't like that word, but it's Brand popularly names. known, Brand so names. that's fine. Yeah. How many of those would we like to go steal from the competition? Okay, as a business development practitioner, that now, Joe, your word becomes strategic. We've already agreed with the board members at the beginning of the year which of those we wish to befriend and begin to groom and begin to bring on board. And there are KPIs about those. I advocate that they are desirability, transparency, and closability. It's fine. Invent others. Work those out with your board. But the point is, if I have to be called in late in the year, late in the quarter, and harangued about my expenses versus revenue I've produced... We've had the wrong conversation as long as I've worked here. Like you don't understand what business development is, and I haven't been a good champion and spokesperson for it. And that leads, and that leads into our kind of final to the business development, directly the business development side. Because that, that understanding, if you want to call it misunderstanding, is a two-way game, right? Again, we can't be sitting here saying, hey, it's poor us, it's poor us. It's a two-way game. We have responsibility as the, as the business development professional and team and staff. Um, so I think we need to have that in our mindset from the get-go a lot more than what maybe we've seen. I want to touch base on something before we, we actually go into that conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of the things to consider is that BD is a differentiator. And what do I mean by that? Okay, it's a different type of conversation than sales and marketing. And guess what most people are, are receiving out there in the, in the marketplace? sales and marketing conversations and they get interrupted they get they get uh you know they're inundated we just talked about that earlier um, how many like on on my phone how many how many text messages now i'm getting like who you know who is this so it's 
it's not only it's it's a different kinds of conversation, and but when I say that, it's heard in a whole different way, and that's what begins to lead to trust. You're you're being identified as some something someone different in, in your approach, and where you where you want to be also identified is you're not just a BD person, you're really a trusted advisor an opportunity for someone that, that can bring more value to that company by them knowing you and knowing, knowing what you have to offer and the connections that you have. One of our, one of our BD Guild meetings up in Denver, our very first one, <clears throat> excuse me, we had a speaker who was, uh, he was the president of a, of a successful GC firm now he's advising. But he goes, you know, I see the BD people in town the really ones that I turn to are subject matter experts. I don't even think of them as business development. That's their role, but that's how I look at it. They are they are the subject matter experts, and and if they're architects, and it's not just architects, right? It's economic development. It's it's local politics. It's a lot of different things that are kind of surround Absol them. Absolutely. So yeah. no, that's a really good point. And you know, and and if I could if I could hop onto that more about the differentiator side. Every company talks about how they're different, right? Everybody talks about, you know, we provide environmental services in a way that others may not, or we provide software and, and service and this is how we do things, or architectural, we, you know, our creative side is, that's how we're different, whoever it might be. But it's not really discussed on the business development context. And there's an opportunity for a company to say, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to make this BD differentiation as part of our of our DNA, so to speak. There's a real opportunity there. But I don't think that's really ever, I don't want to say ever, but rarely talked about. That's a really good point. Because a lot of the noise that we get lost in that Rick just alluded to is created by quote unquote sales automation. So in research that we conducted starting in 2008, the first year we could find statistics available for, we identified five add-on software products that advertise themselves to somehow automate the process of reaching out, reaching prospects, setting appointments, getting, you know, deals in the pipeline. Five. In 2022, the most recent year we have statistics for, we looked for the sales automation offerings that are out there. We found over 9,000 oh of them. Wow. So that means by today, yeah. there's probably 12,000 with the advent and popularity of artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. AI, that's going to explode. So we've automated to death the world's marketing and sales communication with prospects to the point that I, as a prospect, feel totally invaded and devalued. You don't care about me. You're, you're lazy, and you think I'm going to book on your Calendly from your SDR email <laughs> because your AI found that I'm an officer with a company called Board Developer. You didn't even do enough basic ground-level research to find out if I have any authority to buy anything, which for Board Developer, I do not at all, okay? And so this is a giant, wasteful amount of noise. Joe, you discovered you reached out and had a human call, and you asked a question or two, and you didn't go, well, book here on my Calendly link behind my faceless cold email or text or Slack message or whatever latest channel du jour is popular, right? You're probably aware Coca-Cola Corporation yanked voicemail out of their entire worldwide oh, wow. IT infrastructure 
Because wow. voicemail a couple of years ago was getting so full of trash, it wasn't even worth having it. Well, so now you and I have done this thing with our email, haven't we? We've hidden our real email. So while the spammers get the advertised email and I don't even have to read it, that's noise. Marketing and sales have created a pandemic, Rick, your word, of horrific invasive noise that doesn't actually market or sell anything. And it's so different when somebody says, why don't we get together for a drink and I can learn once again a little bit about your world and what's on your mind. Mm -hmm. People go, nobody does that anymore. Business development is the world's oldest form of marketing and sales. Those two have zoomed ahead into a post-internet, post-COVID world. And I'm saying, yeah, who did you last shake their hand with and walk to the car after the meeting? That's so not done anymore. What a concept. No, that's awesome. Well, you know what? We're running out a little bit of time here. So what we always like to do what we call um, kind of a parting shot. Either it could be a summary point or what have you. But I'm going to add a little bit of a twist to this because we talked, we talked I think, in, in large terms, right? But a lot of our... I'm really kind of interested how the next, what, why are we doing this? Why, why is the BD Guild around? Why are we doing this podcast? Yes, we talked about our objectives, but also the next generation of business development professionals, right? Because they come in with absolutely no training and they're just wide-eyed and they just want to learn like absolute craziness. So if we could focus in on just a, a, a parting shot or a thought to the younger professionals, let's just say, or younger folks in the industry, let's say zero to, dare I say, I don't know, 10 years of experience. Any kind of parting shot to that audience? For those newer to the profession, it's an exciting time. Because I've, on this podcast, probably overemphasized the problems, the fallibilities of marketing and sales as they're currently practitioned. They're pretty annoying. I think business development as a profession can save marketing and sales, can return us to an area of decent human discourse of meeting people face-to-face, eye-to-eye. Since COVID, I kind of feel like everybody I know is a two-dimensional tile on a Zoom screen, (laughs) right? And I think business development has the great gift of restoring humanity to commerce because what marketing and sales should cause is commerce to flow. And from commerce comes prosperity and world change and a bunch of other great outcomes but we're starting to lose it with the buying public because of our annoying marketing and sales gone amok automation. And I think for the young new BD practitioner, they're the vanguard of a whole new way to get make commerce go. And I'm not cynical or pessimistic. I think that not only can happen, it must happen or sales and marketing are dead. I think that, I think that's awesome. And you know, I, I look to the, I look to that, the newer professionals, if you want to call it that, um, with a lot of pop, I, I, I look at them in a positive view. They, they are so conscientious. They want to provide value and they want to show their value and they want to learn and they want to, they're facing, a, you know, the, some of the traditional challenges like, you know, why do you need training? Why do you need to go and get certified classes? And why do you do this? Just go do that. Why do you need to be at the table? Right. Um, with our senior staff or project staff or client, you know, client kickoffs, whatever. So they're facing that. Um, but they're, they're not mailing it in. They're, they're ready to learn. That's, that's my thought. I would, I would add, again, I would add to the, 
to, to that audience. Tr try to get to the table as best you can. Um, be seen at the table. Learn the business acumen. Learn, become the industry, with the mindset of that subject matter industry expert from whatever perspective and angle that you're coming from. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, and, and I think the points you guys have just made are, are excellent. And I, I, I think it, there's a tremendous opportunity for uh, young people that have a passion for business development or want to learn about business development. And the opportunity is it's not to just developing yourself in business, but it's in life, is that as you get more skilled, it's not about you. It's about listening and being where the other person is and what's most important to them. And when you get skilled in listening and then being able to respond in a meaningful way, that makes a huge difference and begins to build trust. And building trust in life is probably one of the most important things all of us can do for relationships. I don't know what better, I don't know what better way to end on that, Rick. I mean, I absolutely agree, and that's very insightful and Mikey. So um, with that, I want to say thanks to you guys um, for the idea, for your friendship um, over these last a number of years and what we have moving forward. And um, with that, next month, we do this every month. Both of you are valuable resources that people can turn to if you don't mind people turning to you. So if that is the case, um, how can people get a hold of you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So my email address yeah. is the, as in T-H-E, Rick, R-I-C-K, Stoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D, at gmail.com. Awesome. Mikey? Easy enough. Mikey at boarddeveloper.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y at boarddeveloper. Watch it. There's two Ds mm -hmm. in the middle of that, dot com. Happy to help in any way I can. Happy to be available. Um, I'm so old, I don't even keep office hours. So evenings, weekends, holidays, fine with me. What are office hours? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Uh, feel free to contact myself, joe at themcgoverngroup.net. Um, happy to kind of listen to your comments and ideas and thoughts about what anybody think this podcast could be or what they could deliver. Next month, we are going to, we talked a little bit about the AI side and we're going to have, have a talk. Um, we're going to delve right into it. We're going to be talking with a gentleman who has developed systems specifically for the commercial real estate industry in AI. And I'm getting, I think all of us are getting anecdotal examples of what AI is bringing to everyone's plate. I have a couple small ones, but they're still, they're still interesting. So anyway, that's going to be our topic next month. So with that, um, have a great, uh, again, keep it going in January and we'll see you next time.